The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dried them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet, he put his garments back on and reclined at table again. He said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master. And rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the beginning of the sacred tritium. Tritium, of course, for three days as we get Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, which leads up to the culmination of the Easter vigil. Holy Thursday is probably one of my favorite liturgies in the entire Christian calendar because a lot happened on Holy Thursday. A lot happened. But uh, because of COVID, uh, it's actually a more simplified version we're going to celebrate today because normally, as you know, we wash uh, 12 people's feet normally at this mass. But because your feet are so disgusting, the bishop said, no, no more washing the feet. No, it's just kidding. 
because of COVID, we had to we, we couldn't wash the feet as part of the, the protocol. And so, uh, so it's a simplified version. But we hear beautifully what why the Lord did it. He, the Lord Himself washed the disgusting feet of the disciples. So praise the Lord. Remember, they wore sandals back then, hence the washing of feet, the custom. But now we have expensive shoes. So, so praise the Lord. And you'll see why in a few moments why I love this mess. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever been to the ordination of a priest before? Uh, it's, it's, it's only a handful. Not, not many people have. In fact, it was only until I entered the seminary when I actually witnessed my first ordination. Because as in, when you're in seminary, you, you befriend those upperclassmen and so you attend their ordinations. If you ever get a chance to attend an ordination, especially in our cathedral in Sacramento, I highly recommend you go. It is utterly beautiful and layered with symbols and ancient, ancient rites that go back thousands of years, all the way back even to our Jewish brothers and sisters. It's absolutely striking and beautiful. And in one of the most beautiful gestures of the Mass, so the young man comes, he's ordained through the laying on on hands. Remember that very gesture when you see the bishop lay his hands on the, the, the candidate to become a priest. He presses on his, on his head. And that, again, that gesture goes all the way back to the Jewish people. And if you remember in the Acts of the Apostles, when they would ordain new priests, the same gesture, the, the laying on of hands. And so the priests... The newly ordained priest will have his hand, his, the bishop's hands laid on his head, which makes him a priest at that moment. You call down the power of the Holy Spirit, the bishop. Again, why the bishop? Our bishops are the direct successors of the apostles. The direct line for 2,000. Again, it just, it's absolutely stunning on how the continuity of the church goes on despite the tumults of history. The bishop who himself had his hand, and, and you can trace our current bishop is Jaime Soto. You can trace all the way back to one of the apostles. That's a direct lineage from the apostles. So he lays his hands on the newly ordained priest. And then part of the rites as, as it unfolds is that the priest will take the chrism oil. That same chrism oil where when you were baptized, the priest or deacon put that same aromatic oil on your head. That same oil is, again, used in the rites of a newly ordained priest. We take the priest's hands, and so I, I'll hold up my hands. This happened 10 years ago. I'll celebrate my 10th anniversary as a, as a priest. Praise the Lord. So good to us. And, he, and I put up my hands out. The bishop grabs my hands, takes that chrism oil, and he'll make the sign of the cross on my hands with that same oil. Why the hands? Because it is through our hands as priests that are consecrated now for a very specific service. For service at the holy altar. Because of his very hands that I absolve you with my, with my fingers, right? I'll absolve you of your sins when you come to confession. I will anoint you when you're sick in the hospital bed. When you're dying, I'll anoint you, your forehead and your hands. I will consecrate the, the, the holy Eucharist with these hands. In fact, our hands are so critical that when the first priests that were evangelizing North America, the Jesuit priests, they went to spread the gospel to the Indians. One of the, the Indians understood the power of our hands, that when they would torture the priests, guess what they did? 
they cut off our fingers. Because they understood, even though they weren't Christian, they said, ha, huh, something about the priest's hands is special. And so they cut them off. Because they thought, oh, if we could just cut off the source of their power from their eyes, we cut off the efficacy of the priest. So at ordination, our hands are anointed. And then a little white cloth appears. Uh, unless you know this happens, you kind of miss this in the ordination, right? It's called the manaturgia. And they'll take the cloth, because remember, our hands now are dripping with oil. And so the cloth is taken, the manaturgia, to wipe off the excess oil. And then that cloth is saved for later on and put in a, in a, in a, in a bag of some kind to be gifted to the priest's mother. But why the mother? With that oil now dripping, which consecrated her son's hands. When the priest's mother dies, when my mother dies, I will be there, of course, God willing. And as we lay in my again, future tense, hopefully 30 years from now or 50 years from now, huh? my mother's going to live to 180. She doesn't know that yet, but she will. <laughs> and then when we prepare her coffin, her body, I will take that cloth and I'll put it in her hand. Put it in her hands. Why? Because the tradition holds, and it's a beautiful custom, because then when now she stands before judgment, before God, she will have that same manaturgia and say to St. Peter, this, so this is the custom again, and, and tell when my mom stands before judgment that I gave you a priest. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? I gave you a priest. Be easy on me, huh? <laughs> so that's the beautiful custom that's, that's old. And we see now beautifully, on Holy Thursday, our Lord gave us two precious gifts. He ordained the twelve to be the first priests in order to confect the Holy Eucharist, the Last Supper which we've been doing from the very beginning. That's the, sole, that's the primary duty of a priest, is to do the Holy Mass. Paul spoke about it beautifully. Again, writing to the church in Corinth, he says here, St. Paul himself a priest, I received from the Lord what I have also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was handed over, took bread, gave thanks, broke it. This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul himself speaking about his solemn duty now when he proclaimed the gospel to do the Holy Eucharist, the Holy Mass. Those two beautiful gifts, the Holy Eucharist and and the priesthood, are instituted on Holy Thursday. Christ now who gives himself completely. The essence of priesthood now is one of being victim. When you hear the word priest, I want you to think of victim. Because if you recall back now to, to the Jewish priesthood, what was the primary task of the Jewish priesthood? It was to offer sacrifice. They would offer, the Jewish people would come to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, and they would offer animal sacrifices back to God. 
But notice the difference between the Levitical priesthood and the Catholic priesthood. There's a, there's a difference there. Because notice, in the Levitical priesthood, in the, in the priesthood of the Jewish religion, the priest and the victim was separate. The priest himself go to the Holy of Holies, in front of the Holy of Holies, and offer the animal. But that wasn't him on the altar. It was a, a lamb, a bull. So the priest himself is different from the sacrificial victim. All of this changes when Jesus Christ enters the scene. What does St. John the Baptist say when he sees Jesus as he begins his public ministry? Behold the Lamb of God. He's speaking about echoing that beautiful reading which we hear now from the book of Exodus, which marks the salvation of the Jewish people freed from slavery. When they sacrificed the blood of the Lamb, they took that blood and they smeared it on their doorposts. And through the blood of the Lamb, the, the Jewish people are freed from slavery. John the Baptist remembers that incident. Now he says, ah, behold the Lamb of God. Now behold him who takes away the sins of the world. When he sees him now, what changes here is that Christ now himself is the sacrificial victim, but also the priest. He is now the same. No longer is the priest and the animal separate, the animal of sacrifice, but now in Jesus Christ himself, he becomes the priest and the sacrifice in one. It becomes united in him. This marks a turning point in the history of Judaism. And that is why at the Passover meal we hear Christ now gathered with the twelve, he says, he institutes the Holy Mass where he says, take this all of you for this is my body. This is my blood. And he says to those twelve, he says, now you will do this because I'm about to go away and I'm going to leave you. I'm going to build the church off the twelve. And your duty is to confect the Mass, to do the Mass from here on out until I come again. As priests, we humbly share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. How many priests are there in the world? Trick question, one. One, Jesus Christ. The 450,000 priests in the world today, we share in the one priesthood of Jesus. And our duty is to mimic Christ, to follow after him, and for ourselves now, our lives is to become the victim and the priest sharing in Christ. You know what I'm wearing right now? This beautiful vestment. This is the vestments that I wore at my first mass. This, 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 is, the, this is what I'm going to wear when I die, by the way. When I'm buried as a Catholic priest, they will put these vestments back on me. We are buried as priests in our vestments. It is to signify that our lives now have no longer, no longer belong to us. We've poured ourselves out like Christ's. Or we try to, because some do it better than others. Because as you know, priests are fallen. We're weak. But the mission remains the same. Have you ever wondered why you're alive now, by the way? Why did God in all of his wisdom and power decide for you to be created now? 
for you to be Christian now. Meditate that in your prayer life. It's not random, by the way. Nor is it random why I'm a priest now when God could have created me to be a priest in the first, second, third, tenth century. But he said, no, I want you to be created and to be ordained a priest in 2011. Why? A new Gallup poll was just released two or three days ago, and it's making all the headlines all over the news now. Atheists are cheering. They're happy about this. Because our country made a new milestone. Except for the very first time in our, in our 275-year history as the United States, less than 50% now identify as a belonging to a church. It's 47%. It has held steady around 75% as, as, as Americans identifying with a religion, with specifically Christianity. Now it's only 47%. It's, it's only accelerating. It, it, again, I've spoken about this many, many times, but it's even more stark now, less than 47%. But then again, I don't want, and I see that, I said, hmm, what a huge challenge is before us now, isn't it? For all of us who are followers of Jesus. If then less than half of America now identifies with a Christian church, that's going to mean, we don't know exactly what that means, but we, what we do know is that our founding fathers said that this American experiment is only successful insofar as we are religious. And so it is a great experiment for us now that we no longer have ties to the very foundations of which our nation is built. So what, that, what would that mean in the next 20 or 30 or 50 years? We don't know. And so now here we are alive, you as baptized Christians, me as a priest, what does that mean now? How do we turn the tide? Go back to the victim. A victim is somebody now who pours himself out so that others may live. And I think this is the secret in how we evangelize Western civilization again. Because this is just, it just happened in the United States. You look at the numbers of Europe. Europe is about 15 years ahead of us as far as its de-Christianization. Western civilization, again, is, is, is jettisoning her Christian foundations. But for us who remain faithful to the Lord, how will we proclaim the gospel again? Because the mission has not changed. And it is right here. You and I must make a commitment to fervently follow after Jesus. Because the Lord himself says, he says, now, what I have done for you, you should also do. Meaning, as our Lord washes the disgusting feet of the apostles, right? We must now do the same. In other words, we must pour ourselves out of love and out of service to a world which no longer believes. We, you and I, must live out our faith with an intensity, with a brightness that is so compelling. People will look at us and say, what is it about you that's different? Our mission is the same as the early church. Again, remember, when the church first began her mission, the first 300 years, it was tough. 
We had no institutions. The whole culture was hostile to them. But they converted the world. Again, remember why I'm so, so, so hopeful when I see those, those abysmal numbers. I said, ah, that's all right. God has created us to be here now. And so all we can do is live the faith intensely, follow after Jesus, and become that victim and to pour myself out. And then see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. But you and I are created at this specific time period, at this pivotal moment in our nation's history, in Western civilization's history. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. It only makes me more fervent, like I must live my priesthood like Jesus. Again, my brothers and sisters, gone are the days of mediocre Christianity. They're gone. The ones that will change the world are the new St. Benedict's, St. Peter's, the new St. Francis's, the new Mother Teresa's, the new John Paul II's, the new St. Joan of Arc. That is what our world needs. I don't know about you, but I see. I said, all right, Lord, you've called me now. Give me the strength to run into the breach as your victim. That's the great challenge before you. I don't know about you again. That only fires me up. <laughs> and remember the fourth station, and I'll end here. Oh Lord, in that beautiful meditation, if you recall from the reading when we pray in the station, he says, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me first. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. But take heart, for I have conquered the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.